Welcome to Season of the Bitch, the podcast where the women are powerful and strong and the men are essentially parasites. Today we have Kellen and Laura. And- oh, yeah. <laughs> And Laura and Kellen. <laughs> um, before we jump into the like meat, so to say, of this episode, because it's going to be hilarious and lovely, but we are really close to our live show. So we just wanted to give a final plug. So it's going to be August 11th in New York City in Brooklyn at a bar called Star Bar. It is accessible. It is $20 at the door, $15 in advance. So get your tickets now. And we're going to have a massive dance party afterwards. It's going to be super fun. And tell all your friends and bring everyone you know. And also, on that note, we are taking a two-week hiatus because of that. So this is our last episode until... (laughs) Sometime in August. <laughs> Until August 24th. Until August 24th. I needed to look at a calendar. Until August 24th. Um, and so, yeah. you can Join it while it lasts, people. Exactly. We're going to try to get the audio of our live show out to our Patreon supporters. Um, we're still figuring out the details on that. But get to the live show if you can. If not, enjoy some of our older episodes. Uh, and we'll be back on August 24th. Yeah. But for this episode, we are talking about feminists of the animal kingdom. Ooh. Just a bunch of just a bunch of nerds sitting around talking about the badass animals we admire. Yep. This week we have a very special guest joining us, Tamara. <laughs> Tamara is a scientist, which is cool, and a feminist, which is even cooler, obviously. Um, <laughs> I'm going to let her introduce herself and tell us about this perspective she brings to this episode regarding gender and nature and science and all of that other interesting stuff. Hell yeah. Cool. Hi, everyone. Thanks, Kellen. Thanks so much for having me as a guest on Season of the Bitch. I'm so honored. (laughs) Uh, As Kellen said, my name is Tamara, and I'm a graduate student in Earth Sciences at Harvard. And I'm also getting a PhD minor in Women, Gender, and Sexuality Studies, which I've just gotten into this past year. Uh, So my main research focuses on the Ice Age. When I'm not thinking about crazy catastrophic floods or ginormous ice sheets, I'm thinking about (laughs) why my field is chock full of white men and the terrible experiences that everyone else has to endure every day because of them. Mm, Uh, So uh, in the last year, I've gotten to read a lot about how race and gender hierarchies control scientific frameworks. And scientists usually think of themselves as objective discoverers. But the truth is that scientists are just as lugged down as everyone else by social constructs. Mm. Mm. And in the last year, I've gotten to read a lot about how race and gender hierarchies control scientific frameworks and how our notions of race and gender actually change the way that we interpret and understand the world around us. And that's huge because interpreting the natural world is what scientists are supposed to do. So if they're biased Mm. by their ideas on how gender, for example, should work, then their results will be also. Uh, And in in the last 
Oh, sorry, not leaving time for woes. No, no. <laughs> You're allowed to. You're allowed to. Yeah. Just blow through them. <laughs> uh, so in the last several decades, there's been some incredible research unraveling how gender influenced the way science was done. For example, in human reproduction, the sperm is often thought of as attacking the egg. And this is kind of what we see in, in textbooks for kids mm. and even textbooks for adults. And in this representation, the female egg is passive and receptive to an oncoming, brave, heroic male sperm. Yet in reality, <laughs> <laughs> the egg is actively sensing where the sperm is and actually sending out chemicals that pull the sperm in. And Emily Martin, who is a medical anthropologist at NYU, has written a lot about this cultural depiction of reproduction. And so the same thing holds for understanding of the animal kingdom. In fact, a lot of traditional ideas about sex selection have held on since Darwin's descent of man in the mid-19th century. And this mostly supposes that males are aggressively competing for the female or trying to impress them in some way. Uh, and so this kind of becomes, becomes an issue because scientists aren't really immune from the cultural world that they're acting in mm. and historically scientists have used research on animals to justify or motivate colonialist or sexist programs uh donna haraway who's one of the more badass feminist science scholars wrote this really huge <laughs> book i've been reading up on just for the podcast <laughs> called primate visions that explores how the relationship between primates and scientists is complicated by human culture and she shows how research on primates is often used in a really suspect way to explain human social behavior. Yes. Mm. It's like the whole field of evolutionary psychology is just like right <laughs> with this stuff. But yes, I am so excited to have Tamara on for this episode. So as you can probably tell, we have a not so hidden agenda here. Like, Thank yeah, we're going learning- <laughs> to be learning about some like fucking awesome animals. But uh, I think we're also going to be deconstructing some ideas about gender and science today, too. The animals on this episode are broken down into three groups, terrifying females, males who actually do shit, and my personal favorite, living, breathing, well, sometimes breathing, I guess, evidence that sexual dimorphism is for suckers. So finally, a note on terminology as we begin. Gender is a socially constructed set of norms and expectations that society has imposed on quote-unquote biological sex. So men and women, as you know, terms, reflect gender, whereas male and female reflect sex. So first of all, obviously, we at Season of the Bitch subscribe to the idea that gender is dumb as hell, and there are certainly not only two genders. Um, and as is probably clear to people at this point, there are also not even two obviously defined versions of biological sex. Anything that you could use to define biological sex in humans has exceptions that confound an attempt at tidy definition. So that's what we mean when we say we're talking about sex and gender, which are both at this point, from a literal scientific perspective, actually pretty hard to sort into complete binaries. So with all of that being said... We're also probably going to be a little silly in this episode. So if at some point 
somebody talks about lady praying mantises or seahorse men, they are not actually <laughs> suggesting that these animals have <laughs> perception of men or women like we do. Um, they're actually projecting human behaviors onto these animals, which as Tamara could tell us is wrong and incorrect, but um, can also be like very funny especially as we talk about a bunch of these animals and what they're doing with their lives, a lot of which is fucking awesome. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Fuck all binaries. Um, but, you know, I'm ready to get silly and talk about seahorses and shit. <laughs> um, I also want to acknowledge that most of this animal speak is going to be heteronormative as fuck. But I guess most animals didn't get the memo that you can do more than just reproduce. <laughs> <laughs> that you could do more than just reproduce you know except for some um some very fun animals which we will get to later hell yeah but, but yeah i think that we're gonna start with some terrifying females and obviously we would start this episode off by talking about the og terrifying female animal <laughs> black widow spiders so black widows are such literal man eaters that iggy azalea wrote a terrible song about them and that that was my great despair the first pop culture reference i could think of despite the fact that my crush selma hayek played a character with the nickname la viuda negra on 30 rock shout out to the deep tracks 30 rock watchers um There is also apparently a superhero or villain named Black Widow, but I'm not the person to go to uh, for information on the Marvel Cinematic Universe, so don't quote me on her role in in that world. Um, So, yeah, what is the deal with these spiders anyway? First of all, they're terrifying because they, um, actually specifically the females, because the males are total wimps, uh, are super venomous. So their bites are generally not actually fatal to humans, despite how they're put out in the media but uh they can wreak some serious havoc on our bodies and can definitely kill some smaller mammals that's crazy yeah wild stuff (laughs) (laughs) the thing that makes them really famous and gives them their name obviously is their mating behavior because the dudes just like show up ready to mate and then afterwards the black widow's like cool thanks for the fertilization i'm gonna cannibalize you and use the energy i derive from your body to grow our children's eggs um, yep. but in the interest of, tu- <laughs> in the interest of, of truth telling, I should note a few things. So first of all, this happens much more often in labs than IRL where the males can like escape a little more easily than in like a glass cage. Secondly, <laughs> um, <laughs> the boys often have a way of sensing based on the kind of uh, tangled webs, the women <laughs> Um, whether the female has eaten recently they're much more willing to mate with a female who's full uh, which I think we could actually interpret in a very body positive way if it weren't a literal survival you know unrelated but I just wanted to note as well that their webs are literally as strong as steel wire what yeah they're fucking rad as fuck (laughs) lure you in and i'm gonna kill you it's fine you're of no use to us other than reproduction there you go which i think brings me to the next animal that i wanted to talk about which is praying mantises because girl bugs in general are like fucking terrifying apparently yeah don't they eat like literally eat the males yes yes they're like they're similar to black widows and that they they do it more frequently in captivity than in the wild 
but <laughs> I was reading about this. Scientists still think that male praying mantises have a one in four chance of being eaten when they have sex. Like literally some t- <laughs> sometimes the female bites the male's head off during mating because <laughs> male mantises are more effective maters when they're head. What? Yeah, I, I just... think. <laughs> no, why? I think so from what I read, and I'm not a mantis expert, obviously. <laughs> apparently, they are. They're like their thrusting is better when they <laughs> like they don't have a brain. <laughs> <laughs> um, so <laughs> to hold on to their heads, sometimes the men do these like elaborate dances, literally according to scientists, to distract the women from like the thought of eating them, <laughs> and. <laughs> This works apparently like much better when the the female is eaten recently, um, at which point she starts flashing her bedroom eyes, which is like actually these things that are called eye spots on her legs, and then they get it on, and no one cannibalizes. <laughs> that um, reminds me of in Lion King when Pumbaa is doing the like yes. dance, you know? Yes. <laughs> Who knew the origins? Um, the, my favorite species of mantis, though, is called the Brunner's stick mantis, which doesn't even have males. Like, they're just a whole line of mantises that don't. It's just females. They make embryos, and they hatch them, and they're never fertilized, and they're just, like, literally living the dream. Sign me up. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. I was thinking, like, on the note of insects, like, Let's talk about the original Queen Bay, a.k.a. the honeybee. Sorry, mm. Beyonce lovers. The real deal is a fucking honeybee. <laughs> <laughs> so honeybees hive society is as high society as it gets. Their caste system is run by a queen bee and is staffed by female worker bees who select and raise their queen. I mean, like as socialists, we can be like a little bit upset that there's even like a monarchy and like the proletariat isn't <laughs> rising up. But at the same time, the males in the hive are called drones and they die once they've mated with their queen and play literally no other role. Like I'm against all caste systems, but I mean, whatever. This is fine. <laughs> Ooh, True. Um, True. So- too true too real but also like (laughs) proletariat female bee workers like you can rise up let's do this yeah either way (laughs) we're rooting for the women here and yes it's really crucial crucial um so there are a lot of female birds that are pretty badass in the bird realm many of the females particularly when we're talking about birds of prey are larger than the males and they often have a less bright color which makes them safer in terms of camouflage and it also means that the males are like fuck i have to be bright as fuck and cool as fuck to attract (laughs) to mate and all the work is on me and the female can just be like yes i'm chilling here i like the dance you're doing on that branch over there (laughs) You're the one I choose. Um, While we're talking about that, did you know that mockingbirds can have like a hundred different calls? <gasps> completely no. distinct calls. They're that so they remember. fucking cool. They're so <laughs> fucking cool. Extremely cool. <laughs> I'm also a big fan of crows. 
We don't have enough time here to talk about crows, but crows are so smart. So fucking true. (laughs) They know about, like, water displacement and, like, theories that it, like, the Greeks were, like, sitting there figuring out. Crows already know. They, yeah, it's real. (laughs) Look up crow water displacement on YouTube. You will see what I'm talking about. Anyway. (laughs) So. Did you have another bird you wanted to talk about? Female ducks uh, have built-in rape prevention. Their vaginas, their va- <laughs> 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 their vaginas spiral clockwise <laughs> in a series of sharp twists and turns, while the male duck's penises spiral counterclockwise. It is theorized that the female duck evolved in this venereal labyrinth in order to prevent guy ducks from trying to go too far. And students at Yale have confirmed that it works. It's like, yeah, fuck, fuck rapists of all breeds. And <laughs> female ducks are like ready to just be like, fuck you. Yeah. yeah. The ducks are like, seriously, they're like straight up duck rape rapists. Um, they're very sexually aggressive. Uh, <laughs> on the note. Of female birds. I heard on the radio this this past week about this amazing crane at the Smithsonian named Walnut, which is like a, just a great name for for a crane. Um, so she she's a white necked crane, um, and I guess as like a general rule, cranes mate for life, except for Walnut, <laughs> who has literally murdered all of her mates, <laughs> all of them. She's like the like rich old lady who's been married seven times. And every single one of her husbands has died in a mysterious book. <laughs> so, I kid you not, Walnut has settled on a human man zookeeper as her newest mate. And in order to keep her happy, he has to do this mating ritual with her where he like literally like rubs her thighs and, and does a dance five times a week during the summer. And then it's like powers that be like, you know, conservation experts or whatever feel like they need more white necked cranes in the world. This guy is supposed to inject her with a syringe filled with bird semen. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) Anyway, this has been going on for years now. And so far, she hasn't killed him. Uh, So anyway, I hope there's, you know, I guess there's hope for this guy. Unlike uh the men of walnut's own species but <laughs> i i have to think that walnut knows what she wants and she goes for it yeah she, i mean good stop. for her good for walnut hashtag walnut forever <laughs> oh my god um yeah let's also <laughs> let's also talk about the lady angler fish so female angler fish are basically super single mothers in many species of ceratoid, ceratioid, I don't know, anglerfish, the m- much smaller male attaches himself to the lady and proceeds to atrophy to the point that he becomes essentially a parasitic fish penis available to his hostess whenever necessary. Yes, these fish literally just absorb the men into the sides of their bodies. The guys die and <laughs> The females are just like taking in the nutrients in their bodies and then like getting to their sperm sacs and using that. Yes. And I, I, it's fabulous. Yes. <laughs> Amazing. So this one's a little controversial, but female lions. <laughs> um, so female lions are the ones bringing home the bacon. 
Um, lionesses do the majority of the hunting for their pride as they are much more adept at hunting than male lions. I mean, like for obvious reasons, like they're probably much more aware, cognizant of their surroundings, etc. <laughs> they're not just like topped up on testosterone, clunking through the forest. Um, and occasionally they won't even share their bounty with the males because like, honestly, who needs them? Mm-hmm. Um, although not very socialist of them. But the typical lion family is always centered around a group of related females. Okay, but I think we also need to talk about how fucked up it is that male (laughs) lions can just come in to another person's pride, kill the male coalition, in quotes, and all the lady lions have to follow them. And Ah. they killed their babies. Lion King is for real. (laughs) Oh, my God. So real. <laughs> Didn't realize it was a documentary. <laughs> oh, you cannot escape the patriarchy, y'all. Yeah, <sighs> exactly. It's like, you know, it might seem like I'm making a little jump here, but like so much gun violence in the world comes from men. And it's just like, dudes, just fucking stop killing people. Slash your own kind if you're not a person. Ugh. I think that was a totally warranted leap. Just, we're, we're definitely not doing the thing that Tamara talked about earlier, where we're starting with something we observe in humans and then looking to animals yeah. to, uh, to justify that claim. Yeah. Def- yeah. No. Exactly. <laughs> not, not what's happening here. Perfect. So yeah. next up, we got female orcas. First of all, killer whales are badass as fuck, regardless of their sex. Because, like, come on, that shit is rad like watching any video of orca is like so fucking cool (laughs) but female orcas are badass in a totally different way um while male orcas live to about 50 years old the females can live well into their 90s oh my god Um, wow yeah it's crazy like humans they go through menopause and spend more than half of their lives not making babies oh do they get hot flashes (laughs) camera is asking the important question i don't know like i from my understanding they're cold-blooded they break or maybe they're warm yeah i don't fucking know but like but they're mammals it's true they must must i don't know they must be i'm just making shit up i'm like they live in the water so they must be fine But researchers have found that these matriarchs, because of their decades of knowledge, play an important leadership role and increase their pod's chances of survival. I also saw a thing in the news recently about a female orca who had a calf that died and she spent three days like with with the the calf like balancing the calf on her nose like the the top of her head and swimming like near the surface like just carrying the calf along with her yeah um and like elephants will do similar things sometimes but these they're like so smart and like very empathetic Mm. in addition to being like terrifying and deadly so hell yeah hell yeah but I, I know there are other very cool animals that live in the sea that are total feminists of the animal kingdom. And I think Laura has one she wants to talk about. I'm so ready for it. So I cannot pronounce this, but I would say that the prize for most badass female in the ocean goes to the Bedellide rotifers. <laughs> These microscopic animals get their name from the Greek word for leech-like and can dehydrate without dying, just like sea monkeys. 
They might look hella phallic, but they have no actual phalluses <laughs> because, wait for it, they are all female. The entire species. They've what? reproduced asexually for 80 million years <laughs> in a long line of mother-daughter clones. Hell yeah. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> so cool. My, yeah, my kind of place. <laughs> My kind of species is really what I should be saying. Yes. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Um, so, yeah. The last one I think we have in our, like, terrifying females is the female mole rat. Which, like, first of all, mole rats are, like, hella cute. Not going to lie. But mole rat colonies, which may have 20 to 300 members, are led by a dominant female or mole rat queen. Like, first of all, like, tattoo r- mole rat queen on my body. Like, what a badass <laughs> name. <laughs> the, <laughs> the queen chooses the largest, toughest males to mate with several times a year and may deliver up to seven offspring every two months. Oh, my God. I don't love the idea of being perma-pregnant, but I do like the whole... <laughs> ruling the roost thing uh yeah yeah exactly (laughs) i think we're gonna (laughs) take a music break coming up here i am sorry to inform everyone that it is not the naked mole rat song from kim possible oh Uh, shit what is that that freaky thing But whatever we're about to play, it's going to be great. And uh, we'll see you on the other side. Oh, I feel so much. 
All right, welcome back. We are entering the second segment of our show today, uh, which we called Males Who Actually Do Shit. And uh, I think we're going to start off with seahorses. And uh, male seahorses, the important thing here is that they actually are doing like the heavy lifting of being pregnant. Hell yeah. So that's true. They do the heavy lifting of pregnancy. The female transfers her eggs into the male's abdominal pouch made of modified skin, which like question if they have a pouch, are they a part marsupial? I don't know. Mm. Asking the biologist. (laughs) I am not a biologist. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, sure. sure, We'll never know. That's a great question. (laughs) Cool. The world may never know. But the male releases sperm to fertilize the eggs as they enter before incubating them for 24 days until they are born. So they did a study recently and followed along the seahorse pregnancy and did tests along the way. And they found out that seahorse pregnancy is incredibly complex. So more than 3,000 different genes are involved. And when they examined them in detail, they found that genes involve like the genes were involved in many different processes. They even discovered genes allowing seahorse fathers to provide nutrients to their developing embryos. So in particular, Mm -hmm. fathers supply energy rich fats and calcium to allow the embryos to build their tiny skeletons and bony body rings that sit just (laughs) under the skin. Other pouch (laughs) genes help the males remove waste produced by the embryo such as carbon dioxide Mm -hmm. and nitrogen so seahorse dads even seem to protect embryos from infection producing antibacterial and antifungal molecules to ward off pathogens that is so cool yeah they're fucking cool (laughs) essentially a lot of this evolutionary biology is still being studied but it really puts into question what male and female classically means so like classically it's like larger reproductive organ versus smaller um and how that influences their likelihood of survival damn (laughs) cool (laughs) so uh, I wanted to talk about bonobos. Yes. Which I just learned about today, actually, in researching this. 
So bonobos are a type of ape. They are a lot less studied than the chimpanzee. Even though they're very closely related to the chimpanzees, they've only had one million years to evolve from them separately. Uh, And so bonobos are pretty amazing because when they have conflicts, they don't fight about it. They just have sex. (laughs) (laughs) And aggressive encounters between males and females are extremely rare. Females have a higher social status and... Bonobos commonly engage in both male-male and female-female quote-unquote genital behavior. (laughs) Hell yeah. Female bonobos are sexually liberated. (laughs) Their societies are matriarchies, and as she just said, the females live at the top of their group's social pyramid, um, and they have recreational sex. So they have multiple partners of both the genders, fucking getting it they don't need to just do the hanky panky for the purpose of reproduction they're just fucking like going for it and a fun fact about their sex is they're one of the few animals that also has sex in missionary positions and so and so apparently some zoos are like no we don't want to have bonobos because wouldn't be good for the kids to see <laughs> oh yeah how dare the kids see shield them That's wild oh my gosh yeah so I, I think it's pretty clear uh that human men could learn a lot from the cool and chill bonobo dudes um conflict resolution not freaking out about homosexuality looking at you straight guys all of that honestly yeah Literally, all of us could learn a lot from bonobo culture. I think you're right, Kellen. I'm sorry, I pronounced it wrong. I don't. Um, I don't know. No one knows. No, I I think it is. So, uh, <laughs> I I looked it up earlier, but then I just wanted to say bonobo. It sounds more. I don't know. Ew. No bonobo. Okay. <laughs> but <laughs> uh, bonobos are all about peace. They were the revolution before the revolution. Mm. Word. Yes. I I also want to note that there are other animals like dolphins that have sex or do other sexual things like cunnilingus, apparently, which is just wild to me given that they live under the ocean. Um, <laughs> they, yeah, doing this stuff for fun. Um, but there are literal dolphin rapists out there, just like the the ducks, except they're smarter and are more intentional about this. Mm. So wow. dolphins are decided. Yeah, there's like they like there were reports, I believe, of like baby porpoises who dolphins like literally like male dolphins in areas where there weren't a lot of female dolphins would like literally like rape baby porpoises and then they would die. Like yeah, the it's fucked up. So anyway, dolphins are decidedly not on our list of great guys in the animal kingdom. Yeah, fuck those. Also, dolphins, like, come on to people sometimes. Like, they exhibit, like, flirty mating behavior towards their, like, human, (laughs) like, zookeeper people sometimes. So... Anyway, I think we need to cleanse our palates a little bit, move on to a better better animal. Um, But I'm going to start by talking about stuff that humans do that I hate. So you know what I hate? You know what I hate, y'all? Tell us. (laughs) I hate when human men are like, oh, my wife's out with her friends tonight. It looks like I'm babysitting. Like, bitch, those are your children. 
It's not babysitting. It's parenthood. Like, get your fucking shit together, you nasty ass husband. Like, get your shit together. Yeah. You know who doesn't say that kind of thing? Penguins. Mm. Penguins are all about cohesive family units doing the child rearing as a team. Arctic penguin dads take turns keeping their little eggs warm and fishing for the couple after the mom lays the egg. They don't call that babysitting. They call it being a dad, okay? <laughs> Speaking of dads, now seems like a really good time to give a, a shout-out to my dad, Terry Crews, who <laughs> continues to kill it. Go see him and Sorry to Bother You if you haven't already, and then read the stuff he said about both sexual assault and capitalist exploitation. Love you, Dad. Thanks for being a species of non-terrible man. All on your own. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> I think we've reached the part of our program that uh, we're calling Sexual Dimorphism is for Suckers. Hell yeah. And, uh, <laughs> Laura's going to kick, kick it off and tell us a little bit about Octopi. Hell yeah. So octopi don't think that their date and their dinner are mutually exclusive. It is not uncommon for a female octopus to strangle her mate once the deed is done. In one case, the lady octopus actually dragged her former partner off to her den to <laughs> feast upon him after asphyxiating him with her tentacles. Sounds like someone needed a safe word. Am I right? <laughs> Yeah, you're so fucking right. Safe sex, everybody. Keep it, keep it consensual. Um, speaking of consent, another cool thing about octopi, and there are like a million cool things about octopi. I am like literally obsessed with octopi. Um, also, octopuses is an acceptable uh, uh, yes. pluralization. Um, <laughs> anyway. Octopi or octopuses, they can change their appearance pretty much instantaneously and like not just their color, but aspects of their shape, too. So one thing that some species of octopi do that is like pretty neat is that the females can change their appearance so that they look like a smaller male. If a dude is like coming around looking to mate with them and they're not feeling it. Wow. So what I'm wondering is when will this be available on Amazon Prime for humans? <laughs> yes. mm -hmm. uh, Precisely. Right? Sorry, <laughs> you must have me confused for someone else. I'm I'm not a lady and we're not gonna do this right now. Yes. Uh, <laughs> another fun creature of the sea is uh the clownfish. So clownfish also change sex, but they actually they do it for real. Um, and they do it to make mating possible rather than to avoid it. So clownfish are fr frankly uh, like hashtag goals on a lot of levels because they live in a sort of like matriarchy to the extent that you can call anything <laughs> like an archie when you're dealing with fish. Um, <laughs> but the, the way that it works is like the biggest female is the leader of the pack. And when she dies, that's the biggest male's time to shine. But in order to shine, he has to become a lady. That's right. <laughs> he switches his sex and becomes the new queen of the castle. Um, and this leads, <laughs> this leads me to my next point, which is that Finding Nemo lied to you. And Nemo's dad really should have become Nemo's mom after she got eaten or whatever. And I, I think that would have been a really cool message to send to kids um, mm -hmm. about like transitioning or the, you Taking know. Taking up responsibility. 
ability of gender. Uh, so yeah, Finding Nemo's a complete lie. Maybe in the sequel, sequel, Finding Nemo 3. Hell yeah. We can help. We can help. <laughs> okay, so I wanted to talk about a certain animal that's especially near and dear to my heart, and those are the banana slugs. Got a shout out to my hometown, UC Santa Cruz, for their excellent choice in mascot. Oh, that's and- awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so good. <laughs> and um, and actually, this is true for many other slugs. Uh, banana slugs are hermaphroditic, so they have male and female reproductive organs. So when they mate, they choose what gender they're going to become, or they use both sexes for simultaneously mating. What? So when you, yes. When you see slugs making a circle, you know what they're doing. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> Wait, so are they like every other slug is like, I'm, or like, like on, on your right, you've got your male organs working yes. on your left. You got your female. Yes. Oh my God. Yeah. And that sometimes is so they crazy. do like double penetration, you know, like, Oh my God. They'll do both at the same time. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and actually Ow. sometimes they'll do it with one, one sex. And then after they had sex, they'll change genders and do it again. Oh, hell yeah. yeah. <laughs> Experimental, honestly. Like, <laughs> so some animals like butterflies can be male and female at the same time, like mm-hmm. on half of their bodies. Oh, so this wow. is called, I'm going to try to pronounce it, ginandromorphism. And it happens during early cell division. So oh, half of the body gets the male genes and the other half gets the female. So you should definitely Google this. It's really beautiful. Like half will be one color and half the other color. So really are cool. they like, cool. do you know if they're viable for like reproduction? I, I don't know. <laughs> Interesting. All right. Somebody, somebody listening to this, look it up. Let us know. We're waiting for you. Waiting for your breath. <laughs> Gynandromorphism. That is so interesting. Yes. So another interesting animal is the female slipper shells. So, excuse me, just had to burp. (laughs) Female (laughs) slipper shells don't find mates. They make them. These snails are sequential hermaphrodites, meaning they change their sex during their lifetime, similar to the slug. Um. A mature female will plant herself on the ocean floor, then emit pheromones that convince young slipper shells to mature into males and pile on top of her. Wow. (laughs) The entire heap of males all mate with that same female until she dies, at which point the male on the bottom of the stack turns into a female and the orgy continues. That is amazing. (laughs) Holy shit. (laughs) First in, last out. Yeah. <laughs> so fucking good. Oh my god. That's wild. So there are actually some animals that are changing sex because of humans. Oh. So frogs are changing sex because of human pollution. Mm. Male frogs are starting to become female frogs more and more often. And uh, this is because... Uh, chemicals from things that kill weeds 
-hmm. are introduced into the watershed and this causes that sex change wow yeah isn't that there was um when i was working on a lot of like invasive species um work we would go through different herbicides that we could use that were possibly safe and the one thing that we would constantly have to come back to is there were these uh, hormone disruptors that are Mm. in um, a lot of these other herbicides. And it's literally outlawed in all other countries outside of the United States um, as being not only toxic to these animals, but also like a carcinogen in our watershed. Um, And they've noticed that there is a change over time in the water uh, that like that um, endocrine ris- disruptor can affect like small mammals like mice in that area. Mm. So not very far off until like it's just going to be all of us. <laughs> so is wow. that what Alex Jones was talking about? That like conspiracy theory guy for those who are uninitiated. There's like this thing that he said that was really famous. It's like, well, they're putting chemicals in the water that's turning the freaking frogs gay. Oh, yeah, um, probably. I yeah. haven't seen that, but I would assume that's what this is. Yeah. That's interesting because I didn't realize that it was even <laughs> remotely based in truth. <laughs> Not really right, but right. <laughs> it might be from somewhere. Interesting. Yes. Uh, yeah, another animal that can change sex are bearded dragons. So when the eggs get too hot, um, while they're incubating, male bearded dragons can become female. What does that What does that do? I think it like changes the ratio of hormones or something. Oh, that's yeah, that's cool. Yeah. They also have been known to reproduce without mating. A process called parthenogenesis. (laughs) I got a lot of big words here, guys. Parthenogenesis. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, they literally don't need the male for reproduction sometimes. It's pretty rad. Yeah. Sorry, like, but also not sorry for the fact that we can't pronounce this shit. You know, we're still bringing you that quality content here. (laughs) Uh, Yes. The one thing about producing a podcast where people can only hear what you're saying is that you should probably know how to pronounce the words that you're saying, but (laughs) we are not even meeting that basic criteria. Um, It's okay. It's fine. Absolutely. (laughs) So to move on to our next topic... Laura, is there time to talk about plants or do we need to I think there skip is to? if y'all are into it. I just kind of like <laughs> went on went on a really big rabbit hole when we were putting this episode together thinking about badass plants because I'm more of a plant gal myself in terms of like, you know, my undergrad was in environmental science and stuff like that and I focused mostly on plants and there are a lot of badass plants and I just was like, yeah, they maybe don't have a gender but like we can still talk about how rad they are. I think it still fits in this episode. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Tell us about some plants, Laura. This is the this is the director's cut, the extra extra shit. <laughs> Get ready. <laughs> All right, here we go. So first let's start off with Cape Sundew. So though arguably very pretty, sporting delicate pink flowers and a sweet scent, the Cape Sundew plant is Pretty much what you'd get if you combined an octopus's tentacle and the screams of every child in the world. 
what? So, I don't even know what that means. Yeah. So like the sundew <laughs> is one of the few plants on earth that eats meat, uh, more specifically insects. If you mm. think that's awesome, it's because it is. But unlike more well-known carnivorous plants like the Venus flytrap, the Cape Sundew kills its prey in open air, allowing it to see sweet, enveloping freedom as it's slowly dissolved. So, like, unnecessarily hardcore oh for something God. you could kill with a pair of scissors, but, like, badass as fuck. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> Tell me more about these plants, Laura. Yeah. So, also, Sundew is... I, I know that there is sundew close to where I live in Buffalo, New York. There's a there's a hanging bog uh, and a shelf bog out near Rushford, New York that has a bunch of sundew and pitcher plants. So if you're into carnivorous plants and you live in the Northeast, there might be a bog near you sporting these cool carnivorous plants. <laughs> Damn. Just really nerding out over here. So... <laughs> The next one I wanted to talk about is the manchineel tree. So these trees have the potential to straight up murder you. (laughs) I've heard about these. Right? They're fucking crazy. So according to the Guinness Book of World Records, just standing beneath the manchineel tree while um, it's raining will cause you to break out in blisters. That's fucking right. This tree has water on its side. That's one fourth of the elements. So if you were in ancient <laughs> Greece right now, you'd be screwed. Um, along with this, the tree's fruit is pretty much fatal. We know this because apparently hungry people still decide to eat the fruit from the horrible burning homicidal pain tree. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. Uh <laughs> Moving on. (laughs) So this next one doesn't have a common name, but like some people just call it the sheep eater, but its scientific name is Puya chilensis. But yeah, let's call it the sheep eater. So the plant itself doesn't actually eat the sheep since that would be insane, but it does trap them in its spines, causing them to trip and become ensnared. So (gasps) when the animal eventually dies and decomposes, it becomes food for the plant. No way. Right? So I'm going to pose this question to you all. Like, what's more terrifying, an animal that kills its prey outright and quickly eats it, or a plant, a thing that has no mind or feelings that we know of, tripping up an innocent animal and growing stronger (laughs) as it starves and poops itself to death? Like, fucking (laughs) no. Oh, my God. It's crazy. Oh, wow. So the last one, I mean, there are a lot that I could have got into, but the last one that I wanted to talk about is this thing called the sandbox tree. So <laughs> the sandbox <laughs> tree is basically a grenade masquerading as an unborn plank. Grenade is not a word I'm using lightly here, as the tree is literally able to launch seeds at speeds in excess of 100 miles an hour. So the what? tree can launch tree sperm faster than you're <laughs> legally allowed to drive. <laughs> the fruit of the tree is known to explode with such intensity that seeds have been found hundreds of miles away from their original source. Hundreds of miles? Hundreds of feet. Sorry. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. Hundreds of feet away from their original source. Thank you. This tree literally <laughs> pollinates itself by turning its unborn children into shrapnel. That is wild. Yes. Wow. 
<laughs> Thus concludes the crazy plant section. <laughs> <laughs> well, I am so glad that we had time to go through that list. Um, yeah, I, I'm in, I'm in awe. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> I don't even know how to transition away from that. Um, but I, I guess I'll just ask the question. Um, besides the fact that plants can be terrifying, what have we learned? And I just feel like, wow, you guys, I, I have learned so much from the feminists of the animal kingdom. You know, I really think that they could teach us a thing or two about being human. Mm. This, this is the part where like, I feel like I'm on a, as a, like the PBS like learning series. Um, <laughs> had some like nice music come in at that point um since we're not i'll I'll just continue so like obviously gender roles structure our society and so much of that depends on this idea that women's subordination is is preordained or natural um and patriarchal societies have been justifying patriarchy on the basis of like this naturalness for a long time um, the Bible is a great example. Like, how did Noah know which banana slugs to bring on the ark? Right. Like, what is the <laughs> octopi he picked were a female and a female just pretending to be a male? Uh, you know, these are important questions. Side note, um, the mythology of less patriarchal cultures. So, like, I'm thinking of some Native American societies just because that's what I sort of know most about. The, 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 there are sort of various mythologies that have more sexual ambiguity in their stories um, when they are also less patriarchal cultures. And I feel like that's probably not a coincidence. But anyway, yeah, so much of the justification for women's subordination is built on this foundation of what's natural. And I think that like everything that we've been talking about really suggests that there isn't anything inherent about patriarchy um, and that it's a it's a construction of human making and thus sort of to paraphrase Ursula Le Guin, it can be unmade by humans as well. Hell fucking yeah. And I like sometimes when I go down the rabbit hole thinking about patriarchy, which, you know, I often do, <laughs> um, like I want I'm always questioning like what was the literal spark of that? Like what was the original reason mm-hmm. why anyone had a male dominated society or dominate <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ, I can't talk. But yeah, like why did that even start? Like did it start because women were scared physically for their lives? And like obviously at this point it's so much more societal and like you know, since that original moment it's so much more societal. But like what was the seed? And if it did stem from biology, like how come we had other matriarchal societies, um, particularly, you know, indigenous societies throughout the United States or what is now the United States? Mm-hmm. It's all, yeah. it's all a big question mark. <laughs> it's also, it's interesting. Cause I, I think that, that like a lot of, um, people in sort of a Marxist tradition. Like I, I remember talking about this. I think it was our, our episode, our first episode where we talked about um, uh, the Caliban and the witch. Mm, um, yes. You know, thinking about um, the differentiation between like surplus producing societies where you have, um, you know, basically the beginnings of like a, a class structure, even though it's not it's not capitalist, but because there is the ability to create surplus, 
Um, you have like real divisions of labor and then and class divisions. And that, that is sort of the place where you see like a patriarchy start to form. But then, you you know, we also were talking about, like I said, it's hard to say that there's an archy of any kind when you're talking about clownfish. But like clownfish, you know, women are dominant women, females, you know, like, I don't know. There's a lot of a lot of a lot of questions floating around even after we've learned so much from these animals. Hell yeah. Like, why can't we be more like the bonobos? Hell yeah. Why can't we find <laughs> peace and love? Yeah. yeah. Uh, Hell that's yeah. real. Yeah. Be the bonobo it's... you wish to see in the world. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. And, like, even beyond this idea of, like, female subordination or patriarchy or whatever, um, I think all of these animals suggest that sexual differentiation itself is a lot more complicated than some people <clears throat> cough, turfs, cough. Uh, <laughs> have to be, <laughs> you know, like if if female doesn't inherently code onto a particular role, then the basis for that hard and fast gender definition differentiation is undermined. And then you add on to that that for so many animals, their sex isn't even a constant and it can change over the course of a lifetime. And like, you know, examples of intersex or like double sex animals abound. So like why would humans be any different in that sense? Yeah, of course. And we love to distance ourselves evolutionarily from everyone else, but like that's fucking insane. We have so much genetically similar, like we have so much genetic similarities to all of these animals, even the fish. Um, so <laughs> yeah, for real, any chance I can take it, to, I'll take any chance I can get to reiterate that turfs are fucked and we're not about that shit. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, that the, those are sort of the, the things that I was pulling from, um, you know, putting together this this sort of long list of animals that we think are uh, pretty fucking cool. Um, I think, yeah, Tamara did a really good job, I think, at the beginning of kind of laying out the stakes and, like, why all of this stuff matters. Um, Aw, thanks. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much for being on here. Yeah. No, thank you. Really You're so fun. <laughs> We had a we had a total blast too, and um, I'm very thankful that you uh, let us know about the banana slugs. So, side <laughs> note, everybody, just you know, if you've made it to this point, you've earned this uh, privileged information. Um, Tamara is one of my good friends for a very very long time, and she actually uh, was talking to her that I sort of like put together the idea for the women of color in academia episode. Mm. Um, so Tamara's been like behind the scenes of this podcast in a lot of ways, <laughs> like literally since before we started it. Um, like, you know, I was I was talking to her like a couple of weeks before we did the first episode. So I was very excited to have Tamara on the, on the podcast finally, and also to learn what was behind her UC sweatshirt that had the banana slugs on it. Oh, and just like, how cool they actually are because I've yeah. seen you wear and now I know yeah, I didn't know that you didn't know that but yeah I have a sweatshirt that says UCSC where the letters are banana slugs oh <laughs> hell yeah <laughs> well yes. any friend of Kellen's is a friend to us all obviously <laughs> so thank you so so much for being
our show. We talking about feminists of the animal kingdom. <laughs> um, thanks for listening. Uh, we thought we'd have this like really fun episode before we have this two week break. So again, we'll be back f- with full force on August 24th, August 23rd for you Patreon lovelies. And again, we're still working out the audio details, but we're going to try to make uh, the audio of the live show available to our Patreon supporters during that break. Um, But we'll keep you posted on that information. Yes. In the meantime, like Laura mentioned earlier, you can get your own tickets if you're in the NYC metro area. Uh, or even if you're not, um, on our website, uh, seasonofthebee.com. Uh, you can also find merch there. We still have sweatshirts on summer sale. Yes. You should also find us on Patreon. Subscribe. Like Laura said, you'll get access to the audio once we you know, know how to do that. you get access to the audio of our live show. Um, we won't be putting it up anywhere else. You get our episodes a little early, uh, all of that good stuff. Finally, you know, follow us on Twitter, follow us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram Mm -hmm. and find us on iTunes and write us a little review because it helps people find our podcast. Hell yeah. Learn about animals. It's really fun to read. (laughs) Oh, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. We do send it like text them around to each other when we get new ones. So. Yes. Well, thank you so much, Kellen, for having me on this lovely idea of an episode. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for being on this lovely idea of an episode. Hell yeah. Thanks thanks to all of you guys for listening. Yes. All right. Love you, Kellen. Love you. Bye. 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 Bitch.